Hey everybody, welcome back to The Pixelists, the podcast about all the nerdy things we love and enjoy. And today we're talking Critical Role, but more importantly, we're just talking because my man, is it just me or does it feel like it's been an eternity since we sat down to do this? It's definitely been a while. Let's it, see. Our it, last... We had like a weird like, because Ravening War, we were doing like three a week for a while because of Ravening War. Bro, it's the it's the 28th of June was the last time. <clears throat> is this like the longest we've ever had between It's weird because we talk, we talk every day. Yeah. So yeah, it's weird. Yeah, this is the longest, maybe, maybe the longest. It's definitely been a while. Oh no, we did Wizard Witch in the Wild one. No, that was on the 30th. Just kidding. So yeah, mm. that's, it's been two weeks, man. Been a while. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I think the only yeah. other time that could maybe combat it for longest would be when i went to iceland right that's right but yeah i think it, we recorded right before you left yeah we recorded like the night before or something yeah right before like that episode aired and we recorded and then yeah it was the off week so it worked out really well so and we never had to miss an ep but it was a long time between right um but yeah sim- similar similar f- like just the way the gap lined up, it was critical role off week. It was wizard, Witch in the wild one off week and ravening war has been done for a couple weeks now, but that's also over. Um, so yeah, it just feels like it's, uh, it's been a while. So it's good I to know. be, it's good to be back, you know, we reunited just like the cast of critical role, you know? Yeah. Same levels of importance for sure. A hundred percent. Speaking of the cast of critical role, if you guys didn't see, um, coming this upcoming October, they are doing their first live show in yes. London, England at Wembley Arena. Tickets went on sale today, and I think I read sold out in six minutes. Yeah, so I do. I didn't clearly. We're not going. We're we're stateside. I mean, I would love to go, but that's not happening. Um, I was so trying I to buy a ticket though as like a giveaway, but oh, it's you sold were. Out, so. I just thought it'd be really fun to be like, Hey guys, here's a free ticket. Yeah. I I couldn't get one. Like a little, literally like I couldn't get to the purchase page. And then I found out it was sold out in six minutes. That's crazy. But I do know that, um, that's just like, they're doing it in waves, which I guess probably to combat craziness like that. So there are the first wave sold out, but that doesn't mean you still can't go. Oh, those of you out there that are looking for tickets. I don't have the details because, like I said, I am not going, so I didn't look into it. But I do know that they're having two more okay. sets of Let's ticket see sales. What days it will be on? Um, I don't want to buy a resold ticket. Okay, July 17th in four okay, days. Okay, that's the next one. So Monday. Yeah, dude, it's the first live show in over three and a half years. Because they used to do them, not like frequently, obviously, but they used to, you know, do them every once in a while. And then the pandemic happened, obviously. Um, so, so hyped that they're putting that back on their radar. And I assume it's probably always going to have to be some sort of special one shot like it is here because of their recording schedule. You know, I can't I can't really imagine them somehow lining it up to where like a concurrent campaign three or four, whatever it may be, episode would be a live show. You know, mm-hmm. just because yeah. that would be weird. But um, I think this is a great compromise, if you will, to give us like, oh, it's the Mighty Nine coming back. Maybe Box Mock, you know, maybe a Crown Keepers or something live show. Um, it It is pretty interesting. We had the Mighty Nine reunited, um, which took place 
like seven years after the Mighty Nine campaign, I think. Something like that. That's okay. I'm not now I'm not confident in my own I don't thoughts here. Yours. But because campaign three is roughly seven to ten years after campaign okay, so two. So I thought so the reunion was, was like, like shorter than that. Yeah. Like maybe only like a year or so after campaign. Okay, yeah. Okay, but I, I, I have I'm, no confidence in that. So y'all let I think me know. the seven years is I'm thinking of um the time between campaign two and three. So this makes right. sense then. But yeah, so we had the Mighty Nine two shot mm-hmm. uh this past year. Um and a, another follow on to the story, which I'm excited for since I got to be, you know, check out that two shot um with you, yeah. one of our uh our uh, guest viewers. Shout um, out Ken. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm really curious about this live show. So for you guys who haven't been keeping up on it, it is the Mighty Nine. Um, presumably, well, not presumably, present day Mighty Nine, present day ish. Yeah. In that the synopsis of it, or whatever the word is, um, they reunite to battle an unleashed evil uh, that has been released through the Apogee Solstice, which if you've been following Campaign 3, the Apogee Solstice, which just happened, has undone some magical enchantments. It has loosed certain things across Exandria. Um, I'm very curious. I didn't follow Campaign 2, so it's probably dangerous for us to try to guess what this could be, but I'm also very curious. Um, Yeah. Well, I think this one is going to be far more relevant to you than the last one was because it's about the current events, like you said, you know, and I think it yeah. might even be, um, it could even be at least the first leg of it could be rescuing Bo and Caleb because they're still MIA from being at, you know, yeah. uh, ground zero as it were. Yeah. So, um, I imagine it's either something like that. Like maybe they find, like, we haven't heard from Bo and Caleb, like let's get the crew together or they're fine. And they go tell the rest of the body nine, like what happened. And then, um, yeah, I mean, this isn't really spoilery, but I won't go too much deeper than this. I think it's a name you and I have tossed around before, but I could see them maybe dealing with something that was unleashed because of the solstice, um, or more specifically, maybe dealing with Trent, if he's at all at play here. Obviously, this is mainly Ludinus's thing, and I don't think Trent is like secretly a part of it, but um, maybe Trent has his own machinations for the solstice or something. Um, he's one of the Cerberus Assembly... Yeah. People. Okay. And he yeah. was kind of their main of the Cerberus assembly members. Trent was like their main antagonist. Um, yeah. Well, so. and we, we said that we thought it'd be really cool, um, which this wasn't really that insightful. It's kind of a no brainer, but we said it'd be really cool if we could get some of these other stories of what was happening during the Apogee solstice. Yeah. Um, obviously really curious about the crown keepers because of uh, Robbie Damon's character, um, can't think of his name. Dar- yeah. not Dariax. Uh, Dorian. Dorian, thank you. Dorian Storm. Um, saying that Opal things were getting really dark with her. Mm. So I know we talked about that being an option. Uh, very excited for Mighty Nine. Um, maybe we could just really quickly what we think it's not going to be about. Um, I would assume we probably wouldn't get. I'm assuming it's probably not Ukatoa. Right. I mean, no. shouldn't surely yeah. I'd be like rehashing. He's somehow. got out again. <laughs> yeah. Somehow Ukato returned. I did see a Reddit 
uh, post where someone guessed it would be Ludinus, since Ludinus was apparently a main one of the main characters of Campaign Two, and this is them kind of like finally no, wrapping it up. He wasn't. No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, well, he was the, in it like as a passerby, but like I said, what, Trent was the main. That's what the Reddit post was saying was that like, yeah, Ludinus was like the man who got away, and which to me personally, I thought, well, Ludinus has been kind of a central character to Campaign Three. It would feel a bit odd. Having not seen Campaign 2, for Ludinus to be dealt with <clears throat> by the Agreed. Mighty Nine. So I was going to loop him in with Ukatoa and that probably not Ludinus. Um, I don't think so. I mean, power level-wise, it makes sense. But other than that, not really. Just because Mighty Nine are such higher level than Bell's Hells. Um, but yeah, it feels like it's it's Bell's Hells. It feels like it would, be, it would cheapen. Like right. it, it needs to be them. And like maybe even... The Mighty Nine or whoever, like maybe they Bell's Hells probably has to get help to deal with lewdness and maybe, you know, Boeing they loop some Mighty Nine members in. But I can't imagine that like that battle would take place in a one shot, not even, you know, devoid of campaign three. I just feel like that they wouldn't do that. Yeah. I'm excited to see. I, I mean, I'm also interested to see um if we get like a Vox Machina story. Um, knowing that Keyleth and uh Vax have vax or vax vax, vax. right yeah yeah okay <laughs> have vax. were immediately important in the apogee solstice we've also seen some other vox machina characters um yeah i'm very very curious very yeah excited. me too i mean i think it's on the table for sure so yeah. you know okay. and <clears throat> live shows are back you know our our friends across the pond are getting this one i'm jealous but i think that like you know, home turf is over here in the States. So I got to imagine there's plans for a live show over here too. Now, maybe it won't be till next year or something, but um, I think that's definitely on the table. And like I mentioned, it's going to have to be a not main campaign thing. So, and I don't think they'll just do something completely like random. So I could totally see it being a Vox Machina uh, thing, but they also kind of have closed the curtains on Vox Machina a bit. So I could see it being, you know, crown keepers or EXU calamity yeah. two or something, you know, um, yeah. I don't think it would be yeah. calamity two, but you get the point. Um, yeah, but yeah, well, I'm excited, more, man. I do need more Brennan and Lee Mulligan in my life. Same. So same. And, uh, <clears throat> this is something that I had like told myself years ago, but then again, pandemic happened next time there is a live show. Like that's like feasible for me to get to, I definitely want to go. So now that I've looped you into this whole madness, you're coming with me. So just know that that's, that's happening next time that's announced. And hey, you know what? If we have enough, you know, people in our community by then, maybe we can have a little meetup. Oh, that'd be kind of fun. Yeah. A little, little dinner before the show kind of thing. Yeah. You pay? Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be cool. It'd be cool to hang out with everybody. And um, like I said, I'm going to see if I can try to get a ticket for the Wembley Arena one. And we can yeah. do, I think I saw they were about a hundred bucks. Um, and so it'd be fun maybe to do like a little giveaway on the channel, but no promises guys, I'll do the best I can. Um, but if you live in that area, um, obviously we'd, we'd ask that you'd actually go to the show and not just like try to resell it. <laughs> Scalp it. <Yeah. laughs> it's like those idiots at Pixelist got me a ticket. <laughs> so <laughs> anywho, um, well, Hey, lots of fun stuff. One other quick announcement, um, Diablo season one uh, is coming out a week from today. Um, are you playing by the way? We didn't really talk about it. Wait, sorry. When does it start? 
a week from today. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I plan to, I haven't actually logged on in a couple of weeks uh, just cause I've been busy with so much other stuff, but yeah. I've been waiting for season one. So yeah. Um, yeah. I'd say, I'd say the news around season one has been a bit mid it's, it's not been super exciting. Um, however, we are going to try it out, check it out. We'll have some more Diablo content for that as well. So if you like that kind of content, you can check it out. And then also my man, Will, who um, is the master of breakdowns, uh, <laughs> just put out a video on an anime, uh, Jujutsu Kaisen. Did I say yeah, it right? Nailed it. Nailed Look it. Look at me, dude. Um, <laughs> I have no idea what the show is, by the way. Um, but it's actually a really freaking awesome breakdown. Uh, so definitely check that out. It's on our channel. Remember, we're the Pixelists. It's all the nerdy things we love and enjoy. Um, so I don't know if it's like the best YouTube strategy to have all these different pieces <laughs> of content, but you know, we made this channel because it's fun for us. And um, so if you want to check that out, uh, that video is up as well. Um, like I said, we'll did a really great job with it. So appreciate that, man. And uh, not not to cut you off if you're still going. I'm done. Yeah. Uh, just gonna was gonna I'm finally plug our uh, Discord one more time. Right. So uh, if you're not there, come hang out with us. It is Thursday as we're recording this, so we do have a new Critical Role episode tonight, meaning there will be a watch party going on tonight. So if you haven't checked out one of those yet, uh, it's always a good time. We got great people that come through and and chat with us for the episodes, and we'd love to have you join us. So um, open invite there. And uh, it's more than like we just talked about. We cover lots of things. So the Discord, come and talk about anything you want. Um, we got channels for most stuff, but uh, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna. My screen's gonna go gray for a yeah, second because I'm just went black and white. I'm just, yeah, I'm just gonna get the. Uh, here we go. One sec. Just like red one. Yeah, you good. Record. Record the. You uh, you're muted now. I'm muted. Oh, you're back. Oh, okay. Maybe you never were. I thought I saw your lips move and I didn't hear anything. So I was, yeah, okay. I was panicking, but yeah, I can hear you. Okay, cool. All right. And uh, without further ado, let's actually <laughs> launch into it. And uh, you guys know the drill. We're going to start out with our recap. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Hang on. <laughs> my, <laughs> my mic's actually, my mic's actually not working. So I need a second here. Just everyone hold on for one moment. Everyone okay. We're good now. This. You good? All right. And go. Boom. I'm actually going to start over. Uh, we're going <laughs> to... Uh, you guys know the drill. This is natural. Um, we're going to launch into our recap, um, which we cut out of the podcast and host separately on YouTube for your viewing convenience. So if you find yourself just on that recap video and want to hear our full thoughts and discussion, it'll be linked in the description box below. But without further ado, let's dive into episode 64 of Campaign 3, Reunited. So we pick back up this time with Team Wildmount, who, if you remember when we last left them a couple months ago, the last thing they had done was just attempt to teleport from Laismir to Jussar. And I do say attempted because this does not go well. Um, if you'll recall, Laura had to roll a D100 when she tried to teleport. And we were left on the cliffhanger of her reacting to that roll. Presumably it was bad. And we find out that it was bad. So in this attempted teleport, everyone takes um, a chunk of force damage and they basically are still caught in the liminal space between spaces. They're like still within the teleport. So um, she rolls again <clears throat> and again rolls low. So they take even more force damage and are still stuck. So she then rolls a third time, this time with guidance from Deanna, 
and they are pulled through the ether and eventually plopped out into Exandria. Except they're not in Drusar. They're on the edge of this cliff <clears throat> and notice that there's this wave of Arakoa flying at them. Or excuse me, uh, Yusfora? Is that what they uh Acefra, I think. Acefra, thank you. Uh, I might just say Arakoa because um, yeah. you get it, bird people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so they're they're flying at them with spears and armor, and the party's like, whoa, we come in peace, we come in peace. But they swoop down, throw nets over the party, and entangle basically everybody but Chetney and FCG. And then what follows is basically some pleading and some explaining with more bad rolls from Imogen. Um, with them basically saying, you know, is an accident that we're here, like we're just trying to leave. And what basically happens is the Arakoa decide to blindfold the party and fly them away from here so that they don't the blindfolds so that they don't know where they are because they're very hush hush about this place. They don't want outsiders here and they don't want anybody to know where they are. <clears throat> so the party agrees to those circumstances, get blindfolded and get flown away and dropped off um, at the bottom of the mountain in a forest. So after all of this and during all that kind of chaos, um, FCG has reached the brink of going, you know, seeing red going berserk. And uh, there is a couple of calm emotion spells that are thrown off to kind of keep this at bay. And they're successful in doing that. But once they've now landed at the forest and the bird people have left, um, FCG is like, I got to go into stasis, basically. And they can't oh. teleport again because the staff that Imogen is using has charges and she has does not have enough after failing earlier. So they're like, okay, let's just, you know, sleep here, camp here and try to teleport again in the morning. Um, <clears throat> one interesting thing though, is uh, FCG or excuse me, Frida kisses FCG and this actually removes his two stress points. So right. uh, the immediate threat is dissipated regardless. Um, so the party rests here. And um, the only thing that really happens this night, even though it's not night um, is Frida detect thoughts or uses detect thoughts on FCG's sleeping body. And what he picks up is this intent, this rage and this intent to kill and destroy and cleanse. And the only other images between that rage that Frida picks up are flashes of someone building FCG. Um, and the delicate, the delicate rather uh, craftsmanship that has gone into it. And just this intent burning within FCG. Um, for this rage, but Frida isn't sure if this is programming or if this was like a virus. Um, <clears throat> so morning comes, they attempt to teleport again. Uh, this time Imogen rolls a 53. And so they're ripped through space and time and they actually arrive in Drusar safely. Uh, but it is the middle of the night here due to the you know time zone change. Uh, the first thing they noticed are that the magical lights here are diminished, similar to Uthodurn. And they can tell that, you know, the solstice has affected had its effect here as well. Uh, and they're trying to decide where to go. So uh, Deanna actually casts Scry on Laudna to see if they can see where they are. And it is successful. And she sees that Laudna is in a cave of some sort, but that she's okay. So Imogen then tries to sending spell to Laudna, but is unsuccessful. So they then decide, let's go talk to Pretty at the sentence well and see if, you know, the rest of Bell's Hills have been by, if he has any information. So they head there. Um, Pretty is fetched. For them and pretty basically catches them up on the things that have been going around there were you know celebrations for the solstice but since then things have been a little off a little weird the moon's been acting up and now uh half the gondolas in the city have stopped working and you know a bunch of armies have arrived in city and uh he hasn't heard from the rest of bell's hells 
So the party leaves, um, and they can tell there's lots of soldiers about in town uh, from all sorts of militaries, not just Drusar, and the skyport full of ships. So as they head to the core spire, they realize that the gondola here is down, like pretty said, and there's a long line of people basically waiting to get sent over the gap on a small floating platform um, that's kind of being run by the city. So they're like, we don't want to wait in this line. So they kind of cut ahead and show the credentials from the king and queen of Uthodurn, like saying that, hey, we have important business to discuss in the course buyer. Like, we need to go first. Uh, this works. So they are allowed to cut the line and um, they all get on this disc, which is called a broom skipper. Uh, but Fern has to polymorph into a raccoon dog in order so they can all fit. <laughs> but they all get on, <clears throat> get to the other side and decide to head to the spire by fire next. Um, once inside, the Qatari owner of the establishment recognizes them, tells them, I have not seen your friends either. Um, so they decide, well, let's just settle in, get some breakfast and figure out what our next move is. And as they're doing that, a lot of soldiers come into the tavern and the Qatari owner tells them that, yeah, most of the inn has been kind of taken over as a temporary barracks. Um, and Frida recognizes some of these or some of these soldiers again are being represented from all over, um, including the Clovis Concord and the Council of Taldore. Um, and so they're just trying to figure out, OK, like what exactly is going on? What's the response here? Um, but meanwhile, Imogen tries another sending spell, this time to Zadana, uh, and it works. And so she asks, like, have you heard from Ladna and are you OK? And Zadana's fine, but she hasn't heard from Ladna. So Chetney goes over to the table of soldiers and tries to get some information out of them, says like, hey, like who's coordinating the efforts? Like, how can we help? <laughs> um, and they said, we're just following orders. We got here a couple days ago. Uh, a warder then comes by and tells Chetney like, hey, go speak to the quorum if you're looking for information. Like we're here on military business. Like, you know, these people can't answer your questions. Um, so at this point, Fern, who is still polymorphed, goes over to another table to eavesdrop. And there's this half orc soldier, uh, that's telling his comrades that like, Hey, I know it's strange here, but just follow orders, watch each other's backs. We're going to be marching soon. Um, and as the party is settling in, getting their breakfast, we cut to elsewhere in the city where a tree begins to glow and open. And that's where we go to break for the first half. Yeah. Great job, man. Um, yeah. So coming back from the break, uh, we find the party of, um, AOL, Team AOL from Asilra arrives in Drusar through this um, portal opening up in the Lucent Spire in a public park. And if you remember, the Lucent Spire is kind of like the bougie, uh, noble-esque um, spire of Drusar. Um, and the party emerges from it. Uh, Prism a bit surprised. Hey, you're here. <laughs> you know, again, picking up on that last episode, uh, Prism not realizing they were going to the same place. Um, they make some small talk about like, oh, so this is Dressar and um, kind of talking about like, what to do next. Um, they know they want to get more information about what's been going on, specifically Pradathos. And they float the idea of actually going to the Starpoint Conservatory uh, which, if you remember way back early in Campaign 3, this is where Imogen and Ladna were originally trying to get into to learn more about Imogen's powers and also where they found out about the study about Imogen's mom and the um, red dreams people were having. Um, Oren points out that, hey, we barely found out about Pradathos from like some heavily redacted documents that people were on the run with. I don't know if we're going to find out more there about Pradathos. 
But even so, Prism is really excited about the idea of finding some banned books. Uh, and more importantly, talks about this persona moving forward of just basically, you know, hey, if I lie and say I'm a high-ranking mage of the Cobalt Soul, will you guys all um, play along with me? And Ashton's like, yeah, just make sure you don't start with the fact that you're lying. You know, just try to own it, okay? Uh, and there's also some funny dialogue around, like, what's the training like at the Cobalt Soul? And uh, Prism does reveal that she has an eight-pack, apparently, which I think Emily Axford is sticking to. This is canon now for Prism. Um, the party then decides, okay, where should we go? And Orem basically says, Hey, um, if our friends are here, they would be at the core spire at the spire by fire. So let's, let's head that direction. They head to one of the gondolas. Um, this one is still working. And as they arrive on the gondola, they, um, not only can see the distant red beam of Ruidus, uh, that's sort of like held in the distance and like i think matt describes a like permanent flaring state of it as well uh but there is a um i think it was like a small goblin who gets on the gondola with them uh yeah. maybe it was a gnome i can't remember yeah i think it was a gnome uh, yeah who who is a courier of some kind and the person's kind of minding their own business and they want to kind of like figure out like what's going on in town so ladna in very creepy Ladna ways sits right next to him and is like, Hey, like what's going on here? Like what's been happening? Totally freaks this person out. Somebody cast friends on the courier, uh, but fails. And, um, Orem is, is really, you know, typical Orem dad is really kind of trying to like, guys, just be normal. Like, let's stop freaking out <laughs> this guy. Um, they don't get much information other than the fact that, um, a lot of strange things have been happening. People are a bit restless. It's not unlike some of the chatter we got from Uthodern. Um, and I don't remember if we found it out from this person directly, but we also find it at some point that, um, as we found out in Uthodern, that teleportation circles are not working. Certain enchantments are not working, uh, though teleportation magic does seem to work. Um, they arrive at the core spire. The courier runs out, runs away. Uh, Prism sends, I think, either Mother or Denise to chase after to figure out, like, who is this person really? And Matt's like, it's a courier. Like, please leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> um, the party makes their way to the spire by fire. Um, they do note the massive military presence. Um, Will mentioned how the skyport was filled up with sky, sky ships. Um, I think the mention was that even like the nearby mountainside was covered with like parked um, uh, with docked uh, skyships as well. And they spot a number of different um, not nationalities uh, forces represented here, yeah. um, not just from Vasselheim, <clears throat> but they also see the insignias of the Council of Tal'Dorei. Uh, and then they also see an insignia of the Changebringer as well. Um, they note this and head into the Spire by Fire, where they are gleefully reunited with Team Wildmount. Uh, it's very satisfying. It becomes a very large table with 10 people yes. all huddled together, lots of hugs. Um, and just skipping through some of the um, longer portions, there, there's a lot in this section of what happened to you? Um, mm -hmm. You know, and then I think friends are like, we had a threesome. And they're like, oh, uh, okay. <laughs> and then, um, you know, we had someone from the Ruby Vanguard who tried to kill us. And um, so this is a good chunk of conversation. But more importantly, there's a lot of introductions, a lot of swapping notes. And the party essentially decides, okay, I think 
I think we should get back to um, Marquette. We should get back to that excavation site. Clearly something's happening there. Deanna, meanwhile, is going to sneak away and cast communion because she wants to talk to the Don Father and figure out what should our next move be. Remember in the previous episode with her team, the Don Father had charged her with, hey, you must go stop what's happening um, and seem to imply or you're going to lose like your gift of resurrection that I when I brought you back to life. Um, so she casts communion. Um, she sees sort of like this visage of the Don Father, and she asks three questions. The first one being, um, essentially, are Bell's Hells trustworthy? Like, are they more dangerous than they are helpful? Uh, and the Don Father doesn't give an answer. It seems like the future's a bit uncertain there. Um, she also asks about the Don Father's followers, and specifically, like, are your people doing religious colonialism, I guess. I don't know what to call it. Um, Cause she had been told the story of the town that the Asilra team had to basically save from yeah. the, um, the Donfather uh, temple essentially. Hearthdale, yeah. Hearthdale. Thank you. Um, and the Donfather basically gives kind of a cliche, like, you know, my followers do what must be done. And then Deanna says, final question, are you worth saving? which makes the Donfather so angry that he just thrusts her out of the communion spell, um, much to Deanna's dismay. Uh, it's also around this time as they're swapping notes that there's conversation around Hearthdale and it being a nexus point, and specifically how many nexus points are there around Exandria. And Matt explains that although the Apogee Solstice moves them and sometimes creates new ones and we lose old ones, that best guess is that across Exandria, there are 23 nexus points. Um, and then lastly, the party is essentially talking about what do we do next? And this is kind of like some conversation around, um, it's like the story reasons to sort of exit uh, Deanna, Frida, and Prism from the show, for at least in the short term. Mm -hmm. And they basically decide, you know, if we're going to do this well, if we're going to get back to Marquette and stop lewdness, we need more information. So right. Deanna, Frida, and Prism agreed to kind of go together and possibly go to Vasselheim and try to get more information on all these things that have been happening so they can be kind of like a source of info to feed to um, Bell's Hells. Um, there's a great moment of... Um, FCG being like, well, I'm going with Frida, obviously. <laughs> and uh, Frida being like, no, like you have to stay here. And then uh, FCG is like, well, you can come with us then. And it was just, it was just really great. Like back and forth of like, even though the, these actors have to move on, of course the characters would, <clears throat> would want them there. Yeah. Um, so they do ultimately FCG agrees to stay with Bell's Hells and Frida will uh, depart and see them soon. Um, though, uh, uh, FCG is suspicious of Prism, uh, mostly because Prism has a bird as a companion, um, which they don't very much <laughs> appreciate. One last thing that does happen, um, as we're wrapping up our recap, um, Deanna is asked by Orum as they're talking about the different insignias that they solve, like the different armies, Orum asks Deanna, Hey, can you check in on a friend of mine? Can you check in on Keyleth and pulls out the, um, which I love that this came back because I, I thought it was totally discarded. The um, messaging seed 
that he had been gifted. This was all the way back from EXU season one, but it had sort of wilted after the message from Keyleth had gone through. He presents it to Deanna and says, hey, can you scry on Keyleth for me? And Deanna does scry and essentially sees Keyleth in her chambers back in Zephra, um, hobbled and recovering from her injuries and notes that despite it having been a couple of weeks, her slashes still appear to be uh, extremely fresh. And there are aides around her who are pretty much like, you have to, you have to rest, you have to save your strength. Um, and uh, all that to say, um, that is essentially what happens uh, in this episode, episode 64 of Campaign 3 of Critical Role, Reunited. And don't forget, if you're checking out just our recap, you can see our whole discussion. We want to know your thoughts as well. Uh, click the link in the description, and you can jump into our dialogue. Bada boom, bada bing. Well done, man. Man, you know what's so funny about doing these recaps is like sometimes when I'm getting my notes together, I'm like, ah, pretty much nothing happened. There's not much to say. <laughs> and then you're like, all right, I've been talking for 10 minutes now, and I feel like I still skipped some things. So <laughs> That's how it goes, man. But bro, reunited, man. It was uh it was good to see everybody back, man. That's the fullest the table has ever been. They mm. fit ten people in there. Uh this was just a really fun episode. Um yeah. it was just I don't know, like it, we're in the we're in the middle of a, a dark arc, we can call it that, but this was like a nice, warm, fuzzy the fam's back together. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's just a nice little, like, I don't know the word I'm looking for. Like pal- palate cleanser. That doesn't really feel right, but it's just nice. Sure. You yeah. know, palate cleanser makes it feel like the previous stuff wasn't good. Like yeah. you needed to like cleanse it out. Stuff yeah. it was great, but this was a nice, just a nice little upbeat before a potential downturn. Right. And what comes next. Cause like, I want to talk about what bells hells is going to do. Um, but before we get into that, it, it, like you said, it was nice to have everyone back. Um, 13 episodes is how long the they party were gone. was. They were gone. Yeah. Dang. So, which doesn't seem like much, but again, you're only getting three episodes a month. So we're talking like almost four, four months. Yeah. Almost four months. Third so, of a year. Yeah. It's crazy. We just like keep doing like math <laughs> <laughs> a quarter. <laughs> So, <laughs> but yeah, like, yeah, I, it was just so it's good. Quarter, and it's not a quarter. I already ruined the joke. <laughs> I was just going to, I was just going <laughs> to move past it. <laughs> I said it. Then I started thinking, I was like, am I an idiot? I am. <laughs> oh man. Good times. Oh um, man. But yeah, man. And I, <clears throat> I, I'm trying to decide what I want to talk about first. I guess, like we just said, great to have everybody back together. I'm excited for for this episode, because I think kind of the chaos, the beautiful chaos of 10 yeah. people at a table, we didn't get to truly have like the reunion moments of like Laudna yes. and Imogen and like Laudna telling Imogen what like she really went yeah. through. Um, yeah. And just the moments between all the different pairings that we want that from. Um, <clears throat> so I'm excited to potentially get some of that tonight. Um, but yeah, it was just, I also want to talk about just the chaos of 10 at the table, which I thought was, was handled so well. So maybe I'll just get that out of the way. Um, but it was just so fun to see. And basically once that happened, Matt, like Matt didn't say much for the rest of the episode, basically he just kind of let them 
uh, go at it, which thank God they didn't have to do combat with 10 people. That'd have been, that'd have been crazy. Matt, Matt knew better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just so much fun. And it was, uh, even with 10 people, I thought they did a really good job of still maintaining the, the spotlight, if you will. And that's not, yeah, that's a better way to put it. They did a good job of sharing the space because not that everyone got equal time because they definitely didn't, but I just thought um, they were pretty good about that, even with all the people that were there. Um, But that being said, I did notice a lot of specifically Ashton kind of, I felt like Talison had a few times where he wanted to say something and didn't get the chance to. Um, And then the last thing I want to point out about this is just, I love Christian, man. I noticed it. I don't know why I, I kind of focused on him, but I noticed that uh, for that first chunk, like Frida didn't say a word and I, it was somebody else that eventually had to like bring Frida into it. And I can't remember who it was. If it was, it doesn't matter. Um, but I just applaud Christian's like patience and like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I can't, I'm not in his mind. I don't know why he was doing it, but it felt like a deferential, like, you know, I, let, let them talk. And so I love that. Like, Again, I don't remember yeah. who it was, if it was Liam or whoever, but somebody noticed that and like ushered Christian back into the spotlight. So just oh, these people are the best, man. Yeah. You know, I, just, I almost I like and that. I was actually I mean, I, it makes sense. I was actually sad we didn't have Opal there or Opal, uh, Amy Carrero. <laughs> yeah, but like, I, I, I kinda, Opal I and Ukarsh were there as well. <laughs> I, I definitely would have wanted uh, Denise there um, just because she played such a fun, fun character. But um, yeah, that's a great insight on your part for sure. And these guest characters were were tremendous. They were really great. So much fun. Um, I think this whole campaign has had really great guest characters. Um, the party's done a great job of inviting them in. Um, as a random thing, I love how Frida, one of their last lines was FGG, when FGG was smoking and Frida's like saying goodbye. And then uh, Frida's like... Um, and and stop smoking. It's unattractive. <laughs> it's just like perfect, like couple, like yeah. squabbling. That isn't the right word, but it was such a cute little detail that yeah. I thought was great. But I'll miss these. It's funny how like you get used to these people and then they move on, and you're just like, ah, it feels like such a void. So yeah, like when Robbie left, it really was tough for me. But. Yeah, a hundred percent. And um, I think we could see them again potentially. Um. Not that we definitely will or anything, but I think that's definitely on the table um, for at least maybe one of them or something to show up. Um, but I just, yeah, I like that. Uh, I'm trying to decide if. All right. So I'm not past campaigns aside. It really feels like this campaign, especially kind of is is leaving the door open with guest characters because um, uh, there's precedent in previous campaigns for the same guests to have come back. But uh, specifically here, I feel like there's lots of open threads still with guest mm-hmm. characters that don't, ne- don't doesn't necessitate. They have to come back to get those figured out, but just even that they exist period is, is interesting to me compared to previous campaigns. Um, uh, obviously Dorian's a huge one, um, but even just with these characters, I love that, you know, we've got the whole Denise Dariax connection, um, I want to talk specifically a bit more about Prism, so I'm going to hold off on that for now. Uh, but then with Frida, we still have this kind of big mystery box, if you will, of his his vision and that child from 
Aor that we didn't get right. um, an answer on. And again, I'm not saying we have to, we might not ever, but I just think it's interesting that there are those things, this campaign that would make a lot of sense if they did come back to kind of flesh that out more. Or it, it could be like an EXU Kaimal situation. Yeah. Yeah. The characters, have, the characters have moved on and here's like, here's like a two shot or a three shot that covers, um, I guess Kaimal was four sessions, I think. Um, no, there's only two, I, I think. There's only two. Kaimal, yeah. I guess I'm thinking of Calamity. Yeah. Um, since Calamity was four. But um, yeah, maybe we get like a two shot that like follows up with some stuff from them. Yeah, maybe um, even following what was their name they gave themselves? Um, the three of them were like the 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 Lorsonists or something like that. I don't remember. Uh, but like maybe we can get like a like an EXU with with Emily, uh, Christian and Abria and then, you know, yeah. whoever else. Um, that would be really fun. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, that would be really good. So, okay, well, let's let's jump into the, like what's going on. It's good to be home. It's good to be yeah. home in Drusar. Um, I was half expecting something wild to have happened to Drusar, like one of the spires had fallen over or something. I don't know. Um, I know you were really big on the Drusar getting lifted into the sky theory, <laughs> <laughs> but um. Yeah, it seems to be a major staging point. We have armies from all over Exandria who are here, who I think, if I understand correctly, they're literally like the day before or hours before marching off to the excavation site in Marquette, I think was what was said. Like they're on the cusp of that. Yeah. Um, what's your take on what exactly is happening here? I don't, that's a good it's a good question because I'm not entirely sure. I mean, clearly the obvious answer is the the powers that be know to know that something crazy is happening. And so they're sending a response. Um, but I'm curious what exactly they know, but I mean, it, enough because again, they're sending armies to, I guess this is kind of like a, a nearby hub, which is why they're all kind of like congregating here and then setting off. Um, but no, know, knowing what we know, and this is a whole nother conversation really of, of what exactly magic is working versus not because we like scries work, some teleport works, but sending spells are really finicky. And um, so I just wonder what information has traveled. And I guess there are other means. And especially when you get to like the most powerful people in the planet, they're probably going to have ways to communicate still. Um, But yeah, I guess I'm rambling, but I guess I'm just curious, like what actually does everyone know? Mm -hmm. Um, and to what extent, but whatever that answer is, it's clearly enough to warrant sending the armies out. So, um, I don't even know if I'm answering your question, but I guess I don't know what's going on, but clearly they, they know something's, and I, I know I'm rambling like crazy, but I guess we also did have the gods call to action. So maybe it's even possible that the powers that be literally spoke to deities, just like FCG and Deanna did. And that's maybe a big reason for it as well. Yeah, we've talked about, it's been a while since we've talked about this, but we talked about the original assault at the excavation site, how um, if the excavation site is filled with Ruidus born, like Bell's Hells is screwed, um, right. and there has to be some outsiders who's going to help. Um, we didn't know it at the time, but we ended up getting Bo and Caleb, right. um, and Keyleth as well, and the Nightmare King, some really massive forces that showed up to help 
Um, I would say that this something similar is, is kind of true in that if they're going back to the excavation site, there has to, I would assume, be again, they're only level 10. They've they've gained a level since um that last encounter. Maybe I think just one level. I don't think they were level eight back then. Um, so. so they're level 10. A big, a big um uh advancement, <laughs> obviously. But um now they potentially might have these armies that could be involved as well in some massive battle. Um, the only difference is it seems like Imogen confirmed that, excuse me, it seemed like Imogen confirmed that this red beam, these figures coming from, or these what appeared to be characters coming from Ruidus, I think the actual line was something like maybe Ray Laura, which we had guessed is this Ray Laura sort of like, you know, coming down from yeah. Ruidus. And I think Imogen said something about that. Like, I think it's Raylora arriving or something. Um, and then further, we did get confirmation, which maybe we already did before on her, um, psionic elemental, um, lore wise being, I think a Raylora or mm -hmm. something or like a Raylora. Yeah. Um, all this to say now that I'm rambling, <laughs> going back to the excavation site that is seemingly, in addition to, I guess, Ludinus and Co., will also have some Ray Laura present as well. Yeah, which I think in I don't remember when it was, but shortly after the the event, um, didn't Imogen try to scry or something on somebody, and her vision got pulled to like the excavation site instead, and she could see she a bunch see, of Ray Laura. Yeah, well, she. I don't know if she said it, but she said she could see like red figures or okay. something. So I think it was heavily implied. Right, I think okay. here, maybe she said it back then too. I don't know. But all that to say there, and now there's Ray Laura there. Yeah. Um, though we don't know if all of the, of Ludinus's army is there since Bordor got, you know, ported away. Yeah, but got shunted. Yeah. I mean, who knows? But, um, I, I guess I was surprised that they're going straight. I mean, I don't know where else they would go like from like a DM perspective, like they don't really have any other threads to pull on. So I guess it only makes sense. Like we're going back, but I was also a bit surprised of like, I'm, I'm nervous. Like, are you guys sure you don't want to go to like a magic shop or something <laughs> first or <laughs> yeah, like does something else need to happen first, but I don't know. Well, yeah, well did, I can't remember ex like, I can't remember exactly how the episode ended now, but did they say like, that's what they were doing next? Yeah, I think so. I think they said they were going there next. Um, because uh, I, I think the actual like dialogue, I think Prism, Deanna, and Frida are maybe going to stop by the Starpoint Conservatory first. I can't remember. And then I think the dialogue was FCG was like, well, I don't want to leave Frida. And I think Orm spoke up and was like, hey, like if we don't get back to the excavation site, like there won't be. Like we won't have loved ones to take care of anymore. Like we have right. to, like that's where we have to go. So the implication I got was like, we're going Yeah. Like first thing tomorrow. Like we're on our way. So well, that's, we don't have a skyship anymore. So true. Well, that's, that's clearly where all the armies are going. Cause that's ground zero. Um, right. So I guess if they maybe they could hop aboard with one of them if, if they needed a way. Um, Imogen does have teleportation now, so they could just do that. Um, oh yeah, Good but point. I could see them. I mean, I think they'll definitely 
like you, you made the joke about like hitting up a, a magic shop. I think there definitely will be like at the very least some Drusar stops before they go anywhere. Um, I hope they go to the Trove of Marwa again because I would love to just that was just a fun character and a fun place. And plus, I, I mean, I think they've got a decent chunk of gold. And mm. it seems like, you know, before the big the big fight, you go stock up. So I would be surprised if they didn't do any type of shopping. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I that that's one thing I was wondering is what what is their next immediate move? But I guess it is just to go back. The only other lead they have really are to, to talk to allies or recruit allies in some form or fashion or go like to Ludness's hometown or something, but that doesn't even seem to be like on the map as something that is like, it seems like time is more pressing than that. So yeah, I, I, I have <clears throat> to imagine they will end up back in a Silra at some point because of that detail on Ludinus's hometown. Um, but separately, there's this angle of the primordial that was in Ludinus's, Ludinus's notes, which I'm really mm-hmm. curious about. Um, but beyond all of that, yeah, I could see them stopping by, um, Mistress Shashadri. Was she the quorum? Yeah. Uh, or Lana or something like that. Yeah. Shashadri. Yeah. Shashadri. Yeah. Um, maybe stopping by there and like, Hey, things are good. I honestly also wonder like, what's, I mean, probably not important at all, but like what's happened to Armand Treshi? Like, is he in a jail cell somewhere or, and, and where's the nightmare King? Also, yeah, because uh, wasn't the Nightmare King bamfed away or something? Or like, I guess we don't we or... don't know what happened to to him. The last we saw, he was helping destroy the like power sources around, right? Yeah. Oh wait, no, no you're right. Bamped. You're right. Um, yeah, uh, Ludinus or no, her mom, right? Yeah, Imogen's mom. She bamfed him away. Yeah, so he's. I guess he would have gone to whatever his home plane is. I think it was said he was bamped to the Feywild. Okay, yeah. So yeah. Um <clears throat> yeah, I would love if if it be it Sasadri, which makes the most sense, or just I mean, I guess we don't we still don't know who's on the quorum because it's a anonymous council, but go check in with the powers that be in Drusar just to see like what they know what's going on here. We know the lights have dimmed and some of the the gondolas have gone out. Um and clearly nothing like catastrophic has happened like you alluded to earlier like there wasn't a spire missing or something but i am curious like kind of what like it could be you know fires everywhere like metaphorically um and i just i don't know i would just love to get those details kind of similar to kind of the the mm. slice of life we got via uthodern with like the temples closing and the you know yeah. um but yeah i i definitely think back to what you were saying is that they might end up in a Silra at some point. Um, Cause we also have the whole Ashton Hishari stuff, which <clears throat> we kind of got the answers there. So like the progression of that plot thread might not be in a Silra necessarily. Um, but I could see, you know, Ashton wanting to go investigate the actual location of well, um, they're, they're heading back to see Ashton's dad. <clears throat> so we'll have Taryn action. If, if he's still alive. He's at the excavation site. He's the one who. <laughs> He's ludinous. You know, you know this theory. <laughs> I I do not subscribe to the ludinous I, uh, Taren. I do not either. Theory. Um, but some of you guys are really excited about it if it's true. <laughs> which you know, hey, we have some crazy predictions on this podcast, so I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't fault you for it. 
That's so right. it turns out to be true. And we're like, we said it I here. We called it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like a really poorly edited clip of us yeah. being like, F Terran is yeah. nude in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. So, could go to the, the quorum. Could, I, I guess, can they teleport everyone with her staff? There is, there's a limit, but I think at least, I would imagine she can at least do Bell's Hells. I think it's usually yeah, okay. like eight or so is, is around about what the, okay. the limit is. I guess they is. could also, Shishadri might even be willing to let them borrow a Skyport. I mean, a Skyport, <laughs> a, a Skyship, though they all seem to be, it wasn't clear if the Skyships were like the armies that had arrived or if it's like one of those things, like old military stories were like, the military like commandeer like all the ships and the vessels and things. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but that could be there could be one option as well. Yeah, for sure. I would imagine most likely they'll teleport just for terms like because time is of the essence, you know. So I don't know why they wouldn't unless they were worried about magic being all wonky. But clearly it's worked well enough. So yeah, um, yeah I uh just kind of while we're here real quick uh, talking about the different armies, I thought it was cool that we got the council of Tal'Dorei mentioned. Um, y'all know what that is. Uh, the Clovis Concord was another one that was mentioned and that's like the Menagerie coast area of the world, which was big in campaign two. Um, and I think there was a third one explicitly mentioned, but now I can't remember what it was. Let me see. Um, I think you mentioned it in your half of the recap. No, I talked about the Chainbringer. Oh, chain that's that's what it was. That's what it was. <clears throat> yeah. So. so never mind. Um, but yeah, and we already talked about it, so I, I don't want to retread here. But it's just like things have gotten rolling very quick, coming from you know in Uthadurn, no one knowing in Uthadurn what was going on, to now, however many days later, the timeline's kind of wonky. Um, but however many days later, like everyone knows what's going on. I think it's been at least two weeks, I think. Okay. Which there is a, I don't know if this is worth like spending too much time on, but, uh, I know one like subject of discussion that we were even talking about a bit in the discord is, and I might, I might get things flipped here. So y'all forgive me, but the timelines of the two different groups did not line up at all. Um, and the group, I think it was Imogen's group, Team Wildmount, actually finished. Again, I, okay, I'm, I'm going to mix it up because I don't remember. But one of the, I think it was Imogen's group. One finished like way earlier than the other, or way later than the other. Um, and so it doesn't really make sense how the timing of them both showing up in Drusar. Um, but it's one of those things that like hand wave it away is fine. Um, but I know some people were speculating that maybe in Imogen's like botched teleport, they like went back in time a few days or something, um, which I guess there are ways to like, if you, if like you really wanted to like explain it, you could be something like that. Um, but for my money, it's just going to be something that's never even mentioned. Yeah. I, I don't think it's even worth really thinking about, honestly. I mean, I will say Imogen, their timeline does seem like it was much longer because they traveled it was at least a few days to get to Uthadurn and then to make it to Melesmere, I think it was like a seven to 10 day journey or something. Whereas with Team Asilra AOL, they arrived in Hearth in Hearthdale, Hearthdale, and then traveled immediately to um, uh, 
the hero fans place. Yeah. Um, um Hevestro. Hevestro's place. So yeah. I don't really worry much about it myself. Though I do think it's interesting if the teleportation um um which they even had an extra day, because remember they, they she messed up the teleport, which put them on this mountainside with all the Acefra. Um, and then they had to wait an entire day to cast teleport again. So Right, right. But uh speaking of the Esfra though, could this be a little theory that I like? Is maybe Volantum? this is where what? Or, what did uh, you say? Uh, Volantum? I don't know what Volantum is. Oh, I thought I yeah, I thought I was gonna have to throw this by you, but I thought you were about to throw it by me. Go keep going. No, I was gonna say, could this be where Sarah and his family oh like ran off to it's seemingly like in this isolated place in the mountains in wild mount like maybe maybe sarah fought the good fight and then you know this is where him and his people sort of like found a home yeah so that was going to be part of what i shared with you so um yeah i i mean i don't know if i'm like shipping that but i definitely think that's plausible and on the table um but i think specifically and this doesn't this doesn't preclude what you just said, but um, there's like a specific place that I think this could be. Uh, it's called Volantim and it's uh, it's never, never been on screen. It's just from like what we know of the world lore. And it's an Arakoa civilization that's like hidden from the world. Like they don't want anybody to know where they are, who they are. Um, a lot of the details line up. So it seems like that's it probably is, which I thought was just cool from Matt. And then, yeah, I, I was wondering the same thing, like, could this potentially be Sarah's descendants? And, you know, maybe that's definitely one of the reasons that. they're so that's definitely what I said for sure. <laughs> <So>. Yeah. <laughs> Knowing nothing about your thing. <laughs> they, you know, yeah. they go together. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah. I, yeah. I just thought it was cool. Um, you know, even if it's not the Sarah thing, it's still cool, but really cool if it is. Cause, uh, you know, it doesn't, doesn't have to be by any means, but that could be an interesting explanation for, the secrecy is like if it was at all founded by him or his ideologies or something and, you know, not trusting the rest of the world, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was just a really cool little moment from Matt to, uh, and again, we don't even know that that's what it is, but right. Uh, it's just cool little world building glimpse uh, yeah. and a botched teleport, which, you know, again, just makes the place feel, Alive. Big world. That's right. Yeah. Uh, moving on from here, another part of the world we got to see was uh, Keyleth and Zephra. Yeah. Um, seemingly still deeply wounded from these attacks from Adahan Thule, uh, who, you know, as we know, has a special um, poison to her weapons, uh, perhaps a dunamantic poison of some kind. And uh, so we've got confirmation that she escaped from the excavation site. Um, we don't know what happened to Vax. Um, if he's still within the large Malleus key. Uh, but yeah, she is seemingly recovering and still deeply injured. Um, we also know, it's not the first time we've seen this, by the way, um, the bodyguard to the Loomis twins. I can't think of his name. Uh, the anger, the anger. Yeah. When they uh, first arrived yeah. in Drusar, it took a while to meet him because it took so long 
for him to be able to recover as well. Um, so kind of a cool detail, but I didn't know if you had any kind of thoughts on seeing Keyleth or your reaction. I mean, I was glad she's okay. That was my main thought. Um, but yeah, uh, it sucks that she's still hurt. And it makes me like, like you just mentioned, we saw it with uh, Ashad Reggio, I think was his name. Um, is she permanently injured in some way, which would be really unfortunate, but you know, it's been like you mentioned at least a week or two since she would have been injured and she's still really not looking good. Um, but yeah, mainly just glad she's alive. I do think Vax is probably still in the key. Cause I mean, to my understanding, the key is like constantly doing whatever it's doing. And he Vax seems to be like an integral part of it mm. functioning. So I would imagine he's still in there. Um, but yeah, uh, we, we talked about it at the, at the beginning of the episode, but I'm curious if, not that we'll get a live show or a one shot at all, but I'm curious if Keyleth is going to go recruit the troops to not, not save Vax necessarily. I mean, I don't even know if he, I don't want to get into spoiler territories for campaign one, but clearly like, you know, surely she just, called Vox yeah. Machina, right? I, I would think that, you know, she called everyone she could given the severity of, the situation so yeah we're gonna get a one shot with him i'm sure <laughs> that'd be cool i can't wait to see scanlan again <laughs> <laughs> that'd be cool anyway um yeah i i for me the injury is at least matt signaling like we're not going to see keila showing up at the excavation site or maybe yeah we that's could. a good point i mean she, we may we may be able to i mean she's it would i don't think it's if it's far-fetched for like despite her injuries like for the sake of Vax to like get back in there. But I do think it is a subtle signal from the DM. Like this option is um, not a current option. Right. Um, but no, I like that a lot actually, because, and not that, not that the, the, the cast would like metagame and go like get all the most powerful people to come, you know, fight for them. But within the world, within character, it makes sense. If Keyleth was at a hundred percent, like go get her, like, you know, they need all the help they can get. So I like that, that that kind of pulls her off the table for now. And I think she'll have her own machinations, whether we see that in a one shot or not. Um, be it Vax or just be it whatever is one of the most, you know, powerful, influential people in the world. She kind of has her own stuff to deal with rather than go help Bell's yeah. Hells personally. Right. Um, so yeah, I like that a lot that that is kind of a, a reason why, you know, she's not able to do that. Okay. What else, what else from this episode? Um, <clears throat> let me, let me look through a couple things. I definitely have some stuff. Um, Deanna's communion was cool. Yeah. Um, that is one thing I wanted to talk about. So we can just, yeah, let's go ahead and talk about that. Um, which <clears throat> that, and then kind of around that as a whole, something we've talked about a bunch is, the whole question of are the gods worth saving? Let's just put it that way. Um, which I think has been a really interesting yeah, philosophical debate throughout the campaign. And again, could be leading towards all sorts of resets. We've talked about it. Well, it hey, here's the deal. It brings me back to my point that the gods suck. And they've never done anything good in any of the campaigns. <laughs> and no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I, I, th I really liked the moment with Deanna and I, <clears throat> Like that was a great moment. And I liked that she 
she asked those questions. Uh, but I don't think it's like the, I don't think it's necessarily like as, as telling as some people have made it out to be. Um, I think almost any God in this world is even any prime deity. I should say would have had to answer those questions the same way. Like, I don't think the Dawn father is. Mm-hmm. Not uh, bad. <laughs> yeah. I, bad. Like, Sorry, the, the question that. about like, have any of your followers like knowingly perpetrated yeah. harm or whatever, like that's such a gray question. And it, these gods aren't ones that fully like, they don't have the, they're not the, like puristic pure. I can't even think of the word like holistically pure. Like, it's kind of ends justify the means a little bit. I think that's what it is. And not even like the Dawn father, I think especially is supposed to be like one of the prime deities that like is, yeah. you know, holy justice. and yeah, justice yeah. and everything. So I know some people were like, I don't know. I just don't think that like, it's fair to necessarily draw conclusions from those questions because one, this is like, it's, it's war. Like, everything is on the table here. Like the, you know, like the whole world could end theoretically. So like at some point, even if you are a good guy, like sometimes blood's going to have to be shed. Things are going to have to be done. Just like Bell's Hells have killed a ton of people this campaign, but we wouldn't say that they're evil, you know? And sometimes, I mean, there's definitely some instances (laughs) where maybe they have done some stuff that's messed up, but I don't know. My point is one, sometimes, you know, maybe maybe you do have to get in the dirt a little bit, but even beyond that, the Dawnfather doesn't like holistically control his followers. Yeah. You know, like even if yeah. if if members of the Dawnfather paladins or whatever have done some bad stuff, that doesn't necessarily make the Dawnfather himself culpable. Yeah. Um, because they're yeah, not I, they're not omnipotent. You know. Sure, I did I did feel a little bit of a awkwardness around the question i love the question are you worth saving like you could feel the energy at the table yeah but i also was like i was like man diana you're a bit ballsy i mean didn't the <laughs> yeah. father revive you like right you yeah back from the dead? like yeah. um it's very much like bite the hand that feeds you kind of moment um i'm actually curious how orum is lining up with all this because he's been the most resolute like yes the gods are worth saving and it does feel like in the last few episodes, you put out a video on this, on like how Orem's changed in this most recent arc. Um, you know, I keep thinking of like Captain America being like, we don't trade lives. And then like him getting to the point where being like, sometimes it's worth it. He never mm-hmm. actually says that, but it's kind of what I ascribe it to a little bit. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, it seems like Orem has faltered a bit or doesn't seem as confident, I guess is a better way to put it. Um, and I'm just, I'm honestly just really curious, like what's, what threads is this group still holding onto that keeps them from going like full blown? Um, yeah, let's come on, Predathos. <laughs> like, let's get rid of these people. But, um, cause it was very interesting before the kind of internal party controversy of Orem being like, we're pro God, Fern, kill Imogen if you have to, if she tries yeah. to go join up with their mom. Now it feels a little bit more unstable and I'm very curious like where it, where it goes from here. Yeah, same. And just for the record, I'm not like over here trying to say all the gods are great and 
this is ridiculous. I just I just feel like there's been a lot of conversation about like, yeah, maybe Prudapos is right. And I just I think that's kind of not not that it has to be a black and white to the two far ends of the spectrum like that. But I just think I just no way they land on. Let's just let this happen. You know, I I think these are very interesting discussions to have. And they even make sense to have, given with all that's going on in the world. But I would just be very, very surprised if they somehow landed on that side of things. Um, given especially what you just said about Orum, kind of regardless of the God's place in it, is that he wants revenge for what these people did who represent that cause. Um, yeah, it's kind of not unlike some of the conversations from Diablo 4, where, um, sorry for spoilers, guys, just very brief. People being like, why are we fighting against... Lilith like it doesn't she want to like save sanctuary and then like I was like some reddit thread and then all the comments were like yeah well do you remember like the cutscene where like the dude was like brutally beat to death or the other cutscene where like the wolves were like eating the person alive like <laughs> this isn't like great job Lilith like they're like sacrificing thousands of people or whatever and um getting to the point I agree with you in that I doubt they get to the point of like all right lewdness let's do it yeah knowing the bad stuff that lewdness and co have presumably done to bring us to this point. Right. So, right with you. And again, that being said, I don't think that that means the prime deities are infallible. I think there's a really interesting kind of story to unfold there with maybe, maybe they're not as righteous as we think, but that, that doesn't mean that that's still not the side that needs to be taken right now. And that doesn't mean that they haven't done good things too, but maybe they're, maybe they are flawed, you know? Um, but, and one final thing here is that we do now have, um, FCG. That's kind of going to, I would imagine be like the spearhead to, to staying on that track due to his personal relationship with the, uh, the change bringer now. Right. Um, yeah. So I am, I'm glad that we have that, perspective in the group for for future discussions that happen on this front um but yeah i i i thought that was really interesting and uh i don't blame the dawn father for for shunting her out at the end there um uh another thing i wanted to touch on i'm reading my notes is uh the most recent four-sided dive by the way uh, you should totally watch it. It was really good. Um, Once in my life, I watched a little tiny bit. Oh, you did? Just, just very brief. Um, I didn't realize that the woman that I've seen on like some Twitter content, um, that she was one of the uh, people like setting up the show. Um, I can't think of her name. Danny? Maybe Danny. Danny Carr? She's, uh, she's the Lord I Keeper. Know. I don't know. I don't okay. know. I just started watching with campaign three. I don't know any of these outside people, <laughs> but, but you probably Danny, you mentioned lore keeper. The content I'm thinking of is, um, there was some content around Ruidus that came out right before the Apogee solstice. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, this person's, this person's kind of fun. I think and was it, was a, it was a woman doing, uh, like an ex, like a sort of like, yeah, it was like a Lord. Yeah. It, yeah. It was her um, then for sure. Okay. And it was the same person in four set of dive. So, um, Okay, cool. <laughs> Sorry, <Yeah>. guys. For, <laughs> some of our like tried and true critical role people are like, what is wrong with you, dude? Like, <laughs> you know anything? Um, anyway, I just, all I was trying to say was I liked her. Okay. Yeah. All yeah. Danny's great. 
So yeah, anyhow. she's great. Um, but yeah, well, four sided dive was really good. Um, I liked this episode in particular because they, for like the first hour, they just talked, which, um, they usually have like specific questions and like bits and segments to the show, which, which aren't bad, but like me personally, I much prefer just like the organic players, like talking and enjoying, uh, talking about the game. Um, but some interesting things that came up, um, Karsh talked a bit about his whole arc. Uh, and he did say that in his mind, like there was a, a plausible redemption, which is something you and I talked about in our last episode. Um, and he, I won't go over it here. Watch the episode. You guys, if you haven't to, you know, hear it from the man himself. Uh, but I just thought it was interesting that that, that was on the table. And, uh, but he did say, I just, I really wanted to cast vitriolic sphere. So <laughs> I think that was always going to win out. Um, and uh, he mentioned that it was basically, go ahead. I was going to say, just to pause it for a second. There were, there was too much ironic things that happened in hindsight that kept redemption from happening notably and you was you did a great job in your um youtube video on it but i saw some reddit comments too the bodies coming out of the hole um then those bodies being uh the whole like i don't like it like yeah. that whole thing like there were too many things that you kind of cringe isn't the right word but like in his shoes you're just like probably yeah like these people suck <laughs> <laughs> so for sure anyway, uh continue though he uh oh he just mentioned that it was basically either going to be like at the very start or the end where he like played his card so i just thought it was interesting that he was even considering it like right at the beginning like i wonder what would have happened i mean he clearly wasn't going to kill all of them so i imagine he just would have died and utkarsh would have walked off set like <laughs> 30 minutes after entering but um what was that guy's name again he's already <laughs> off the show <laughs> but yeah i just thought that was interesting and then um Emily shared a lot of really fun stuff, um, which I'll just again to hit the highlights here. Um, she, apparently, they were talking all three of them: a Emily, Amy, and Utkarsh. I guess like you know, kind of got together, maybe had a few conversations, knowing they would all be guests. And one idea they had was that they would all be triplets, with two of them <laughs> being identical and one not. Um, I thought that would have been hilarious. Yeah. Um, there, there was a really good conversation about Utgarsh uh, and just guest characters in general on Reddit. And I apologize. I can't source the person because I, I read it in passing. Um, but I meant to ask or mention it to you, but it was um, basically the problem with guest characters in that um, when someone like Utgarsh comes on, who is not unlike uh, Erica Ishii who came on, there's this interesting dynamic of, you want the guest character to feel welcome and like, yeah, welcome to the table. It, you know, whatever. And it's sort of like is in friction with also like your character's actual sense of, um, insight, I guess, yeah. you know, and how it's this weird, weird's not the right word, but the person was basically saying like <clears throat> the party is forever at a disadvantage because to be suspicious and questioning from the get go, in a, in a way kind of harms the welcoming of that person to the table. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I just, I just thought that was kind of an interesting, and again, I, I apologize. I can't give credit to that person, but just thought it was a really interesting insight. Yeah. I, uh, I like that. And they, they didn't talk about that specifically, but the guests did talk about how, like, uh, especially for, for Emily and Utkarsh, I think who were, this is their first time 
on uh, Critical Role were like real excited and like, you know, like this is about to be so much fun. But they're thrust into this like super dark scenario where like all the characters are like really like, you know, like on their on their wits end. Um, So they said it was funny, like looking at each other and like giggling and then being like, oh, gosh, this is like a serious, serious moment. Um, And then Emily, again, just it was so interesting to get like her her insight into why she did certain things. Cause you know, this was our first exposure to Emily Axford, but her legend precedes her and uh, she's great. And like a lot of thought goes into what she did. And uh, I just thought it was interesting that she, she landed on prism. She said she got to like down to two final, like potential characters. And she landed on prism because she wanted to be like a source of, of knowledge for the group. Like she wanted to have high int, high uh, religion, high, intelligent or whatever, whatever wisdom, I guess. Um, and so she crafted her character, like to have those stats. And like, that's how she ended up with like the cobalt soul, like studious person. And I was like, man, that's so, that's such an mm-hmm. interesting way to tackle that is first to be like of service to the rest of the, the cast to be like, okay, I want to be good at these things. Cause this is what they're going to need to get through yeah. this. Um, and then the other character she was going to play was going to be a paladin of a betrayer. God. And uh, the she that said, would have been interesting. yeah, she said she wanted like the, the zaniest betrayer God. And so she said that Matt gave her uh, it would have been Vesh, which um, this won't mean that much to you. But having seen Legend of Vox Machina, you know, Cash. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, that's his that's the deity and also like his wife that uh, he gets his powers from. Um so I just thought I I love Prism and I'm glad we got what we got, but I'm just so curious what that character would Very have been like. Curious, yeah. Yeah. That would have been really interesting. And would have been an interesting dynamic, I think, with Orum. Um yeah. and I will say I forgot to mention in the recap, but I love the de- Emily was just great, but I loved the detail of um when FCG is like kind of not threatening her, but is like, you need to take care of Frida. And then Emily's like as long as you take care of my best friend, Orum. Yes. <laughs> who we had a real connection Ugh. with. And the other cast members who were like, we went through what stuff. What the heck? Yeah. yeah. So I'm working, I'm working on some like, a video around that that I thought was really funny. Dude, that, that will be good. Um, anyway. Yeah, I was going to bring that up too, which I when I was watching the episode, I was going to bring it up. And then in Foresight of Dive, this is brought up so I can kind of shine some new light on it. But at the time I was like, I can't believe she didn't say Ashton. Cause I felt like her and Ashton were kind of having like these flirty vibes. And, uh, you know, I could tell that, I mean, they made a kind of a joke of it at the table, but I feel like I could tell Ashton was kind of hurt by that. And Laudna obviously was too. Um, but then in the foresight of dive, this thing got brought up and Emily said that her, her thought process there was what would be the funniest answer. And so she said Orum because she knew that Orum what would like make the least sense, but also yeah. um Orum would be the one person that like wouldn't care if she hadn't have said him. And yeah. so I just thought, okay, yeah. that's that's really funny that uh that's why she did that. And there wasn't like some act like, you know. But you know, this is why I love Emily and why like I really want to see more with her is the moment happened so fast of um, FCG sort of charging her to protect Frida and there was a role I think and I think Prism had a natural one mm-hmm. and then Prism flipped it and said you know you take care of my best friend Orum 
like the conversation was only like eight seconds. And yeah. so the fact that she processed all that and then like so witty, like fired that back. Um, and it was a genuinely funny moment at the table when it happened. So hundred um, percent, I guess why, I guess that's why Brennan says, you know, she was. Oh, I lost you. Or did I freeze? Oh, I think you froze, but you're back now. Oh, okay. You were saying Brennan said, and then it froze. Oh, I said it, and then you didn't do anything, and I was like, I mean, I think he said that. <laughs> I didn't know you were frozen. Oh, Brennan just saying like he loved Emily Axford, and he was brought. She was brought here to kill him. As like a DM. <laughs> That's so, hilarious. Anyway. Oh, and and speaking of one other interesting thing that uh, she mentioned in the four sided dive was. Um, you know, during the episode when they're filling each other in on what happened to each of them, you know, Prism is the kind of one that says, I killed Border, like I punched him to death. Yes. Um, which I thought was, you know, clearly Laudna is kind of truly the one that ended his life. But uh, so I thought that was interesting. But she said some she shed some light on it in Foresight of Dive saying that she did that to protect Laudna because she didn't know if like. Laudna would want people to know that. So she kind of like went out in front and said that. And then it's going to be up to Laudna to kind of like truly fill them in if, if she wants to. And again, this is why Emily Axford is so freaking amazing because she has now what could have been a moment that was uh, weaker. If it just got like plopped out there in the middle of this tavern. Yeah. Now she has set it up to be this really meaningful moment, especially between Laudna and Imogen. Agreed. Uh, so She's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she yeah. really is. She's great. Um, <clears throat> let's see. I, I think that's a, the, the big things I wanted to talk about. I feel like I'm forgetting something though, but I'll quickly look through my notes again. But I, uh, all I was going to, all I was going to say was when I was thinking about this episode over the last week, I was like, man, our episode's going to be so short because there's not much to talk about. <laughs> and here we are with, you know, freaking forever episode again. Yeah. <laughs> so if you guys are still hanging in with us, I appreciate it. I, I, I would just love, I say this every episode, I'd love to know what you guys thought about the episode and some of the things that jumped out to you guys, um, especially on some of the conversation points we had. But um, anything else coming to mind, Will? Um, not really. Just a couple oh. of things. I, I did have one. Um, the Night of Ascension. <laughs> that that was one of the things I was about to quickly bring up. Yeah. That Prism invited Laudna to join her in the um, Shadowfell with. Was this a made up thing or is this an actual thing? It had never been mentioned before. But I think it's a real like I think it's a real thing though. Like I don't think that um but yeah, I thought that was interesting that the yeah. Shadowfell celebrates the the night the matron ascended. Um yeah, I'm curious to know what. Which was she from? She wasn't from the Shadowfell, right? She was. She was. Okay. You're talking At about least... Prism or the Matron? Oh, 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 oh. I thought you were talking about Prism. No, I'm talking about the Matron. <clears throat> I don't think so, but I don't know. Okay. She at least like she at least like existed on the Prime Material plane because we know she was like a powerful wizard during the Age of. Arcanum, but I get, that doesn't preclude her from like being from the Shadowfell originally, I suppose. But and the matron's like dominion is the Shadowfell, so like that's the connection, like the godly yeah. dominion. Right. But yeah, 
Yeah. No, I loved that little little lore drop there. Yeah, me too. And then so. this, we don't need to spend a long time talking about it, but one thing I have in my notes that I did want to bring up at least was um, the people getting shunted around. Um, it seems we, we found out that at least according to that messenger gnome, which he, he doesn't know everything, but he didn't say that anyone around here got teleported away. Um, it didn't seem like it. Which means that it seemingly only happened near Nexus points because it did happen in Hearthdale. Okay, that makes sense. And then I was it happened to like, at the excavation point. Yeah, obviously. I was trying to connect those as to why it didn't seem to happen in Drasar, but it did in Hearthdale, Hearthdale, which is presumably farther. It is farther, separate continent. Um, yes, the Nexus point, that makes a lot of sense, actually. So that, and that's... Being, I was going to say, ahead. and there being 23, I think was also... 23 like mapped ones right right um Um, i was kind of curious about that too yeah so i oh oh sorry no go ahead i had a totally different thing i wanted to ask you about okay well the the last little point on that was i was going to say the nexus points make sense to me a lot the only thing that that then doesn't is uh denise but at that point it's just like this is a guest character we have to get them there and so maybe yeah. that's just kind of hand waved away, but yeah, like that's like that. the one foil. Yeah. Okay. I have something that we haven't talked about that isn't even about this episode, but before we, I know we're getting to the end, but I, I, I did that, that YouTube video on Ashton's dad on Aftarin. Mm-hmm. And I realized there was a detail that we didn't talk about. Um, Pray from tell. the previous episode. So when Matt is, giving Ashton the explanation of this town um, in that event. Um, Havestro talks about how Efteren, there was an artifact that was like the central source of his power. Mm-hmm. And I, I missed that. I missed that line or I didn't realize it, but it got me thinking, um, what is this artifact? What is this item that Efteren had that was apparently like a central conduit of his power? And we also know there was a gate of some kind um, back from What Dreams May Come, that episode where Ashton had like the flashback. There's a gate that they're they're standing in front of. And this is like my, you always have like those crackpot theories where my mind went to was we know there are vestiges of divergence right. we're 60 episodes deep. We haven't seen or heard of one. I'm not saying this is a vestige of divergence though. It could be though. I, I did wonder though, could it be something just like there's the vestiges of di- divergence for the deities? Could there also be something of similar power that are leftover artifacts of the primordial Titans? And this is what F um, that's what Deftarian came across. Uh, the other thing that's another total crackpot out there theory is it seems like Ludinus has been covering some source of power. Like there's things that haven't lined up yet of like how, like we've, we've thought maybe does he have like, um, like these, um, beacons that he's been harnessing, but could it be there's something else that he's using? Cause we know in his notes, he talked about the Titans. Um, and then the last detail being he left this amazing staff that Imogen has in Molesmere, 
why did he never go back to retrieve it? Could it be that he has since acquired something much more powerful that he's utilizing that's anti-God and as of primordial energy? Um, okay, that's my like five minute crackpot Pepe Silvia ramble. <laughs> <laughs> so that I just wanted to I just wanted to throw it out there. Yeah. I mean, I I could see it. I uh, I could totally see it. I mean, I I the artifact uh part kind of passed by me too with Eftaran. So, I mean, that that checks out to me like some sort of piece of a titan, or you know, just like something to that effect that was like the source of whatever they were trying to do. Um, makes a lot of sense, and uh, I, <clears throat> I'm with you there. I don't know. Ne- I'm less on board with like Ludinus necessarily utilizing it as well, just because we he, we know he is using a beacon because that was part of True. the Malleus key. Yes, he and is, also yeah. Vax. But you bring up a good point about like the staff and also the vest that was like not right. confirmed, but seemingly what was giving him like eternal youth, and he left that behind too. So like. Did he find some new way to do that? Uh, and maybe it is this as well. So, um, yeah, I think that makes a lot of I, sense. I forgot about the vest, too. Like, I'm curious to see if that comes up soon as well. I mean, Bell's Hells has it, right? I think. Right. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I'd love to sure. I'd love to hear what um, Morgan and the Nightmare King have to say about that. Since he was, like, specifically, like, Targeting eating, Faye. like, you know, fey things. Um yeah, I mean, I would love. I, I I don't really see it happening, but I would love for them to like not, go to the Feywild and talk to. Not those unlike Evathirir, the Taker, who was consuming essences. Yeah, and was from the Fey. So right, surely right. that'd be a stretch to connect that in some way. But um, I don't know. I think it's an interesting, interesting detail. Yeah. Oh. One this not related to this, but it's like one. I love all these like little details. That <laughs> it's but wait, cutting so much content that we've been like, oh my gosh! Like, <laughs> anyway, what are you gonna say? Um, on the whole, gods conversation. You know, we're talking about the Don Father and like you know getting your hands dirty sometimes. I um, I'm not saying what was going on in in Hearthdale was was cool, but I also don't think it was as bad as kind of they were making it out to be. Um, yeah. I can't remember the exact words, but like when they were describing it to the other half of the party, they were saying like they had subjugated this town and like that wasn't the case. Like it really wasn't. Yeah. They Like it was like a big temple kind of out of nowhere and they had kind of like crowded themselves in. But like it wasn't like martial law or like you must convert. Um, and even some of the townsfolk like willingly converted and worked for yeah. them. Um, right. And, you know, if it's next to a nexus point. So there's kind of like, I'm not saying this is the motive, but that's at least like a plausible motive for them to have come in to like, keep an eye on this area. And they weren't like overtly evil from what we saw. It was like, yeah, they were going to like, uh, imprison the crew after they came up and, um, you know, Orm gave his speech or whatever, but, uh, anyway, all that so to say is that take them to Vasselheim to corroborate the story. Right. It wasn't, it wasn't even so much like you're going to jail, straight to jail. Right. <laughs> but, um, and then even, I guess the, the strongest strike against them would be the, the taxing of the town, which I think was even phrased as tithing, like collecting tithes. Yeah, it was. And so we don't know if that was just like a normal willingly given tithe or if there yeah. was some sort of like coercion, but from like what we've seen, it didn't seem to be that type of relationship. And finally, yeah. the like 
the the person at the head of like causing this usurp against the church was Abadina, who we know is like team primordials team this. So like she has very like personal reasons to like want this dispute. And not and only former, that, we know she's a former yeah, yeah, former cult member. Cult so like member, yeah. she could be radicalized, you know. So <clears throat> and Definitely again yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, not not saying that, like, Don Father and the temple did nothing wrong. I'm just, it's just not yeah. as, like, black and white as, like, the temple were definitely the evil people. Um, I don't think definitely, that's the case at all. Yeah, definitely in hindsight, when you, re- like, just purely look at the context and, like, remove everything else, it definite vibes of, like, someone's first day on the job, like, at this temple, like, hey, I'm a guard, it's great, and then gets, like, brutally murdered by, like, an invasion. After, <laughs> like, you know, diarrheaing themselves. Yeah, I mean, for <laughs> sure. You you think back, and definitely what, how it was positioned to Deanna, who then went to the Dawnfather and was like, what's going on? Yeah. It definitely was a little bit of bias. Um, for sure, you know, which isn't her fault, because that's how it was yeah. presented to her. Which yeah. then back it's, to the question. Yeah. Yeah. It's the lies you tell yourself to, you know, legitimize the really awful thing. They sacked a temple of the Don father <laughs> killed an angel killed an angel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Um, I will say one last, sorry, these guys, this episode is getting so long. But I just keep me thinking of these little tiny details. I saw a really cool Reddit post about Bordor when he kills the angel and the angel looks at him with pity. Um, and the Reddit post was basically saying like, I took it to be like pity on the group as a whole, but um, the Reddit post was essentially saying like, perhaps he's looking at border specifically with pity, knowing who border really is and everything that um, has brought border to this moment. Um, not unlike a Jacob and Ben moment in lost. Oh, I went Great there. show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Delicious. Okay, I think we're finally done. All right. right? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> and one more thing. Yeah. <laughs> Whew, man. Great episode. Like I said, I feel like there wasn't much to talk about. And then once we started going, I was like, ooh, yeah, we need to talk about that. Uh, and it makes me jazz for tonight, too. I, yeah, I'm man. sorry, guys, we've been getting these out so late. Um, it's just life, life and having such a busy schedule. But we definitely want to record them earlier in the week. We just haven't been able to recently. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything else? Just a little thumbnail. Just a little thumbneasy. Alrighty. Um, just like about like reunited, like just happy. Sure. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Beautiful. And uh, y'all, as as always, um, I mentioned it at the start, but watch party tonight in the Discord. You should join us. And uh, that's all I got. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) See you guys later. Bye, y'all.